Hey everyone and welcome to my favorite time of the day, Sports from the Basement NBA Show for Tuesday, October 17th. I'm BVA. Today we're going to talk about the excitement for the 2017-2018 season. And we're going to talk to Trevor Utley and get his final thoughts heading into this new season. So let's get started by focusing on our league topic tonight, the excitement for this year. I'm excited to get going. We've had an endless stream of analysis with no concrete games, and frankly, it's become tiring. I think the NBA is finally at a point of becoming a 12-month sport. This past offseason was the busiest and most intriguing that we've had in many, many years, perhaps ever. But we're finally at the precipice of a season for which there is so much promise. Last year, the playoffs were a little bit of a letdown. And even though we're entering a season where the dominant team continues to be dominant, there are so many storylines, so many personal stories, so many teams that are looking for either redemption to take a step up or have the potential to slide that it creates true drama that we're going to see this season. I'm excited to see if the Warriors can still be a super team. Repeating is hard, as they learned two years ago. Can they do it again? Can they focus on the right things? Can they stay healthy? And can they repeat? I'm interested in seeing if the Cavs can retool and still be a part of the finals. To me, LeBron is the key. And the game, the team, everything for them goes the way that LeBron goes. So can he stay healthy? Can he lead a team that is totally retooled? He's got his boys back together. Let's see what they can do. Can Boston prove the doubters wrong? I was one of the main people criticizing Danny Ainge for holding on to the draft picks. And now, for the first time, he's landed two big stars to join his team. But they start the season starting Jason Tatum, their rookie draft pick. Was it too long to hold those picks? Is this team good enough? Brad Stevens seems like a savant, but can he get out of these guys what he needs to? I'm excited for some new national broadcast teams. We get Doris Burke, the first full-time national broadcast female that will be giving analysis. And she more than deserves it. She's one of my favorites. We're also going to get Roz Gold Anyue from the, from the uh, Warriors, who's moving into the formerly Craig Sager spot with TNT. Both of those women are amazingly articulate, intelligent, and know the game. And I'm excited to see their impact on the league as we go this year. I'm excited to see how the new schedule rules will affect teams. We're going to have less back-to-backs, should be less resting. What will that mean for teams like San Antonio and Cleveland, who consistently did that last year? I'm excited for Houston. Do they have the ability and the talent to be able to split the ball efficiently, not only between their two stars, but to the others on the team, to the Ryan Andersons and the Clint Capellas? I'm excited to see if the Timberwolves can provide the leadership that the young pups are going to need. I'm excited to see if the Nets can provide the leadership for the young pups that they're going to need. I'm excited for which LA team provides more excitements, the Lakers and their youth, or the Clippers and their magic with Teodosic and Blake Griffin. I'm excited to see if Kyle Kuzma can get more Rookie of the Year votes than Lonzo Ball. I'm excited to see if Portland or Washington will be the more undervalued and disrespected team. I'm excited to see who will be the first major player traded this year. And I'm excited to see if Kristaps Porzingis can last a whole year in New York without going crazy. I'm excited to see who will surprise us, who will disappoint us, but ultimately, who will win. And with that, we'll take a short break, come back to talk to Trevor Utley for our final season three.
Welcome back. Joining us now to give some final thoughts before the season starts, Trevor Utley, SFTB staff writer. How are we doing, Trevor? Doing pretty good. Pumped for tomorrow. So excited. Today, We're, uh, I'm, I'm all over the place. I hear you. Less than 24 hours out. It's uh, it's an exciting time. We get uh, basketball, for the most part, straight through till June. So pretty pumped about it. Yeah. So Warriors are pretty much everyone's favorite in the West. Um, and I, I think if we move past them, there's a couple of teams that a lot of people feel like are going to be the potential contenders. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of just interested in your overall thoughts around them. A lot of excitement about the Rockets. Obviously, they picked up Chris Paul, but they gave away some of their shooters I'm sort of interested in your excitement level and, and what you feel like their uh, opportunity is, their likelihood is. Uh, how do you feel about the Rockets? The Rockets are a team that I think more than anybody else other than the Warriors know who they are and they're going to run that that way regardless of where it takes them. They are going to play the Rockets way and if that take some past Golden State cool, but they're not going to change their overall identity. And I think that's something that can be commended in today's NBA, even though, they, like you said, they lost some shooters. They're not going to have that change their philosophy that they're going to jack up 35 threes a game. That's, yeah. They're still going to go out there and just fire them up. They will replace them as best they can and keep that philosophy. So that makes them a fun team to watch. We'll just see if that they're they're plugging in those holes works. Yeah. Well, we'll get a test opening night. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you have any concerns with uh, ability to share the ball between Harden and Chris Paul? I I think they're two talented players that can make it work. There may be some growing pains at first because Paul's never not been the guy that's brought the ball up before and. Harden last year showed that comfort-wise, that is the best thing for him. When any time that he had to play off the ball, it just it seemed janky. They yeah. didn't really flow as well offensively, and I'm sure they'll, yeah, there'll, there'll be some growing pains yeah. offensive-wise. But we'll see if maybe on the defensive end of the floor, if they break more. That takes some of that awkwardness away, mm -hmm. and maybe that works itself out down the road. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see. I mean, preseason, it's appeared as if they've been just fine at it. I mean, it's weird to see Chris Ball run down the floor and go to the corner and sort of space, you know, <laughs> wait on the ball to come to him. But the the honestly, the offensive side, I feel like they'll get through it. They'll figure out who gets the ball at the end, you know, and we'll talk about OKC, another team that's going to have that in a minute. But yeah. I have a little bit more of a concern. You know, one of the things that everybody got on Chris about in L.A. was, you know, uh, DeAndre wouldn't roll or Blake would sort of phone in a defensive assignment and he would just berate him going into the huddle. And I'm curious to see how that goes over with this team. You know, it's one thing if it's Clint, Clint Capella, if it's Ryan Anderson, it's going to be another if it's Harden. Um, and I think... That's going to be the interesting test. You know, if they struggle, if they have a three or four game losing streak, uh, what's what is his as sort of the veteran guy, Chris? You know, what is his role and attitude going to be with the rest of the team? No, I agree with you that that will be the potential downfall of the Rockets. If there's going to be any pitfalls from the face this year, it's going to be that first 
trying series of games where Harden defects back to his uh, Ole defense. Yeah. Chris Paul flips out on him. Harden decides to go, you know what? Uh, I'm bringing the ball up the floor, and you're not touching it for the entire second quarter. And that, that could just lead to some internal squabbles that could uh, derail an otherwise very, very promising team. Yeah. So you mentioned one of the things about this team was sort of their commitment to a plan, if you will. And when I think about teams that are committed to a plan, you know, the, the team that I always think about is the Spurs. They've sort of got the, you know, <laughs> there are just so many banners, but also this longevity and sort of string from one season to the next. This year has been a little funny. They didn't do a whole lot in the offseason other than lose Jonathan Simmons. Um, they re-signed Powell at a rate higher than what most people thought. And and today they re-signed uh, Marcus Aldridge to a number higher than a lot of people thought. Kawhi's injured. Tony Parker's injured. Realistically, can they challenge Golden State and, and potentially Houston? I think it's it, it's very dependent on all their guys getting healthy. I'm sure Popovich is ready to have a first month that's going to be lackluster to say the least he's I'm sure he's going to make the adjustments necessary to navigate the the potential games that he can rest guys if it's a, le- a lesser team so to speak he'll give the the younger guys a, a bigger role like the Kyle Andersons of the world all those all those guys he's going to give them a better shot but if Kawhi is not Kawhi by midseason I'm pretty sure you can take the Spurs out of it even though I think Aldridge even though he got paid he's still playing for that that next yeah deal if 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 it's a trade he's always kind of been that guy like looking towards the next one not looking what's right in front of him yeah. So if that is what he's going to be like, this, this is a team that could go from the the steady the steady ship to the the rocky one sooner than Popovich would probably like. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. The you know the the variance level on Kawhi this year could be you know he misses half the season and struggles to get into form, or he could be MVP candidate. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, the the one offseason move I did not mention, which actually I think was very important, was Rudy Gay, which is a little surprising because he's not the guy that you would normally think would go right into that offense. But he's looked great in preseason. You know, the whole idea of pop, you know, we're going to run a play for you. It doesn't mean you have to shoot. It means you're going to be sort of the linchpin of this, but you need to be aware of everything else that's going on. He's taken to, you know, like a fish in water. Um, to me, he's going to be a key maybe not as obviously as much as Kawhi, but he's going to be a key to see if they can really make this a, a successful year as well. Yeah. I, when I saw him go there for just, and he was always going to be kind of like a cut rate guy, mm-hmm. but yeah, like you said, this entire person, he's, he's fit in seamlessly. He's bought in. He knows that he doesn't need to be that volume scorer anymore. He works his way through the sets 
he gets the ball. Like you, like you just said, they run a play for him, but now he knows, and it's been a lot quicker than I thought it was going to be. Hmm. It's, yeah, if you get it on the wing and you see that guy cut on the back cut, pass it to him. You don't have to jack up the 18-foot fading to your offhand jumper that goes in 1% of the time. Yeah. Yep. If we move to sort of the other big challenge of challenger, sort of the, you know, the top four, if you will. OKC, obviously two huge pickups over the summer, but lost a good bit of their depth. They don't really have a backup center. Um, you know, and Adams has shown propensity towards injury, we'll say. Um, so the same question with them. You know, what's your what's your take on their ability to realistically challenge for the top of the West? OKC, I believe, is probably starting five wise the second. I, I put them over Houston as the second best team in the West, personally. And but like you just said, the depth. If any of those guys are out for any length of time, even a guy like Stephen Adams, you can't just discount how much they will be taken advantage of by the other big teams and they will just like, like a team like Utah if Adams is out is gonna is gonna punish OKC because they'll just beat them down low yeah and that's that I think they could make a trade or something over the course of the season here or there kind of shore up that depth maybe go try to find a couple G League guys that they can work with on yeah. a lower salary see if they can find a diamond in the rough but yeah if they don't shore the ben- the bench up e- even if they have a great regular season come the playoffs they're gonna get exposed yeah i would tend to agree i mean there's there's a decent number of backup centers that you could you know go to try to pry loose whether it's the alex lens and you know biombos and and yelkas and you know whomever of the world um you know there's people that you could at least go try to get so in terms of the west anybody else that you feel like has a reasonable chance at challenging you know we didn't mention the clippers um we didn't really mention i don't know denver is there anybody else that you feel like realistically can challenge even for that top half uh, challenge for the t- top half, you'd, you'd got to put in a team like Denver, mm-hmm. dark, dark Horses, Minnesota maybe, but even that I'm not willing to go that far. And realistically, none of those teams are even making a dent on any of the four teams that we, we just mentioned, yeah. including the Warriors. None of those teams are taking more than two games from a playoff series from any of those four teams at the top of the conference, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I would tend to agree. The East, a little bit of a different story in the sense that, you know, the Cavs have been there consistently with the Warriors, but this year we saw the Cavs really retool. Um, obviously, Richard Jefferson was just released, the huge trade involving Kyrie. Um, some other guys have been shed, whether it be Darren Williams or others. Yeah. Celtics, obviously a realistic contender last year, they were number one seed, but obviously got smacked around in the playoffs. So if, if you look at those two teams, we'll start with the Cavs with all that turnover. We don't usually see that for somebody who is so good. Um, 
can they realistically stay at the top or is this the year they succumb to the Celtics? If this is going to be the year for the, the Cavs go down, I, I think the only team that's going to take them down is Boston. The, the rumor train, whoever you want to believe is, if this is LeBron's last dance, he's, he's bringing his entire banana boat with him to right. the Cleveland. And they are, they're going to go for it one last time. And I think they have the talent, even though it seems to be a bit of dissension that J.R. Smith is already running his mouth at Dwayne Wade is the fifth starter. When, yeah. when have you been a starter in your career? Anyways, that's, that's neither here nor there. J.R. Smith likes to make problems where there aren't any, but I, I think Cleveland's people want to say that Isaiah Thomas being out as long as he's going to be and then losing Kyrie is going to be a, a death knell to them. But they they still have LeBron James. Yeah. They still have Kevin Love. They still have Tristan Thompson. They still have a really underrated bench, in my opinion. They, they got Jay Crowder, who can defend a lot of the, the guys that give – Cleveland problems in the East and I don't foresee them having a problem either being the one or two seed they're going to do it probably rest LeBron 15 games even with these new rest regulations they'll do it with a almost the equivalent of the unintentional intentional walk if you will right right yeah like oh you're not gonna let us rest people yeah LeBron you're only playing 10 minutes tonight against the Sixers. Yeah, right. Um, there was a lot of talk last year when we got to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, particularly the Wizards sort of running their mouth about how, you know, the Cavs didn't want to face us. They got to the second seed so they wouldn't have to face the Wizards in that second round. It's a team that hasn't gotten a lot of publicity, but has really also not made a ton of moves from that last year's team. Um, you know, there was a lot of contract back and forth and now they sort of are playing with a chip on their shoulder. Um, what's your take on the wizards? You feel like they have any chance to sneak into that top two or would it take a, a serious injury for something to happen? I, I definitely think it'd be a serious injury mm -hmm. to either LeBron or one of the big three in Boston to maybe even two of the big three in Boston, because what I see in Washington is a team that, and it's it's a phrase that I've been using far too often in terms of the Eastern Conference, is just striving for mediocrity. They, instead of trying to make that big move, they made all that noise a couple of years ago about, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to bring Kevin Durant home and we're going to do all this, that, and the other thing. And, okay, you keep bringing all your guys back, that's well and good, but when you just keep bringing the same guys back, you're just a four seed. And John Wall is stepping his game up, but Bradley Beal will have a great game. Then he'll get hurt or he'll shoot three for 15. Otto Porter, I'm convinced he's getting better, but maybe this is just as good as he gets. Yeah. Gortat's on the downside. That bench really does nothing for me. They're, they're a team, and it's just the same with Toronto. They're like, okay, this team can get us to here. We know that barring just a monumental 
trade or we luck out with another trade in terms of a draft pick that falls into our lap that is just absolutely outstanding. This is our ceiling, and without the injury, we don't want to give up this spot. Yeah, we don't want the the teams below us in the like the five to eight range to be getting our home game revenues in the playoffs and stuff like. And yeah, yeah, I don't see the ambition. A lot of a lot of Twitter talk doesn't make you a champion. Yeah, it's, you know, you were kind of talking about the unintentional, intentional walk. It, to me, this just feels like playing safe. It's the, you know, yeah. we're not going to go all out. You know, the Raptors did everything they could when they had to sign heavier contracts to shed Damari Carroll, you know, so that they could get under and not have to pay the penalty. Yeah. Um, in terms of the league as a whole, you know, one of the favorite things that a lot of people like to do is sort of create uh, league pass rankings or those kind of things. So I'm curious when you think about the league as a whole and being able to watch them on a night by night basis till June, um, what teams excite you or are intriguing or, you know, what do you, what are you really looking forward to this season? Well, I've, you, everybody wants to see the good teams, but they're going to be on the, the network games all the time. Well, not network cable games, but in terms of league pass, I've separated it into four teams in each, what I like to call the entertainment, portion and then the morbid curiosity portion under the entertainment you got milwaukee they're just they're going to be fun i think you greek freak is going to bring something that you're going to want to like gif on twitter immediately every night minnesota is another one of those teams they could either be a complete train wreck or they could be that young up-and-comer that breaks the status quo New Orleans, how do Brow and Boogie work? Is is Holiday finally going to be able to have a, a season that they want him to have when they threw all that money at him? And Denver was one of the teams that you're talking about. Could yeah. they break into the top four? I think when one of those teams, either San Antonio gets, because they're getting old, once that old finally comes through. I think Denver is the next team that steps into there. They're just going to be a fun team. They just the amount of great passing that you see from the, I, I probably saw the nuggets play three times last year. And every time you're just sitting there going, how do they have so many yeah. people that pass so well? And it's, it's an underrated scale in my opinion. Uh, as, yeah. as a, as a big doofy white guy, seeing big doofy white guys that can pass well is is a, is a personal favorite of mine. <laughs> I hear you. And in in the morbid curiosity portion, we have a uh, Utah life after Gordon. That could be a team that could score eighty five points a night. It, it could just be really bad, or they could they could find some sort of spark chain. Be the leper that changes their spots and just go on from that. Another another life after team, the Clippers. Mm-hmm. The guy that you profiled already, uh, Milos. Yep. Teodosic. He seems to be taken to the the Lob City pretty well, but I don't know how that much 
roster purge is gonna is gonna go so well and do they still want to trade Blake after all this stuff? Will DeAndre eventually try to worm his way out? I don't know. It's a team with a lot of maybes and who knows. It's the morbid curiosity portion. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, Sacramento. Hmm. <laughs> this is all like... I should have just called it the life after portion. <laughs> after people just, leave, what happens yeah. now? Yeah. What What can we ex- – De'Aaron Fox was one of my favorite guys in the NCAA tournament last year. I want to see how he plays with, like, Buddy Heald up top. Can Willie Cauley-Stein be more than just a, a put-back dunk guy? Can he actually score in a set offense? That'll be fun. And then the – there will be the life after for this year with Dallas is how, how have they set themselves up to go for life after Dirk? Mm-hmm. Cause it's, this is the, it's, it's coming to an end. Yeah. And from what I see roster wise and just the way they're trying to shape their play style. Uh, I don't, I don't think they're ready. It's, yeah. That could be a team that is, going back to the early 90s in terms of their regular lottery status if they don't make some changes real quick yeah they're they're in a precarious situation like you say i mean a lot of very very young youth i mean they're sort of betting the franchise at this point on dennis smith jr which is it's going to be interesting to see what he becomes and how quickly so well, I am super excited. We have uh, less than 24 hours now. Um, by the time you hear this, probably less than 12 hours. Trevor, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you real soon. Appreciate it. Let's go. With that, I want to thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being heard tomorrow. You can subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, FeedBurner. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and be a part of the show. You can email us at nba at sportsfromthebasement.com. Have a great day, everyone. 